Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Chews. Light, comfy, good to go to. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Nation. Trey Strelko here. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Hair on fire time for Gus Malzahn, grading the Knights. And we have the scoop on those murals inside the Wayne Dench. Let us welcome in the Sons of UCF, Adam and Mike, a couple of guys who crack me up on this National Egg Day. Gentlemen. I, I see what you did there. I, I'm not aware of the scoop, Trace. Even I don't know the scoop. Are we breaking news around here now? Uh, we have a little more details. I don't know if it's breaking news, but a little bit more information on those murals. Well, I can't wait. What I, is that on the blog? I didn't see it on the rundown. I'll have to double check that rundown. I'll do that right now. And I guess we can let UCF Mike, a uh, bearded UCF Mike, uh, uh, <laughs> say hello this evening. Yeah. About as much as my facial hair will go. <laughs> but what about you? What's up with your background? Where's the Dante jersey? You got kicked out of that yeah. finally? Yeah, no. Uh, alternate secret location. Got a little uh, family in town. So we're at a, an, an off-site, undisclosed location here. All right. And George has been missing from Trace's background for a little while now. So I've got the longest running background, I think, on the show. <laughs> the longest running background in Sons of UCF Live history. UCF Mike, hands down. Yes, uh, you, you earn that honor. You know, we're scrimping here as we are in June for football news. Less than 100 days till the opener. Uh, some news to share, though. Quarterback counselors for the Manning Passing Academy coming up in July. Among them... Dylan Gabriel, and uh, had to make a mention of this when I saw our friend Drew Bellani comment, 24-7 sports ranked the ninth best trio in college football as Dylan, Bentavious, 
And Jalen Robinson and Drew Bellani said, best UCF trio, hands down, UCF Mike, Adam, and myself. What, where is the lie, he asks, in that best well, trio? Well, are we, are, we, are we now the longest continuous running trio in UCF podcast history? Ooh. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, no, definitely appreciate the love by Drew. He's a, been a longtime uh, friend for the show, so definitely appreciate that. And the, the passing academy thing, look, it's a rite of passage. It seems like every year uh, different quarterbacks go out there. I know um, Mackenzie Milton went out there. I think that's where he met Brandon Wimbush, and they had a, a little bit of a uh, of a uh, formation of a friendship out there. It seems like a rite of passage. I don't know how much work is done at these camps. I'm not sure you know, what the exact uh, rigors of the workload are, but it seems like a rite of passage to be invited to these kind of things. So it's good to see our boy DG uh, on that list. Yeah, only the best quarterbacks in the nation go to this thing. Uh, McKenzie was a part of it a couple years ago. And, you know, it gets your name out there. And I, I do think there's some scouts that show up to this thing here and there, or at least gets word of mouth going about some of your talents going into your senior year or in, in uh, Dylan's case, his junior year. Yeah, if you're following social media, right, all over Twitter, Facebook, the message boards, the dead period is over. Recruits are coming on to campus because of COVID, of course, more than 15 months since last in-person visits. And Coach Malzahn at the Charge on Tour just last week saying June 1 through the 26th, going to be a very critical 26 days in college football and certainly for UCF. And we all know how important it is to get these kids on campus to see UCF. This is a big time for Coach Malzahn and his staff with these in-person recruits. Well, you saw how serious they're taking it. We saw the videos on social media of the the upgrades to the Wayne Dench, some of the new signage. And I know, Trace, you're going to talk about that at some point here throughout. But you definitely saw an effort to spruce up the facilities a little bit um, and, and definitely showcase what UCF has to offer. Competition is going to be stiff, though. Everybody's looking to get people out to campus. I saw Florida State had like a midnight madness session where 1201 on, the, on that on June 1st, they had kids on campus. Uh, so it's going to be kind of an, an all-out uh, sort of blitz, so to speak, for the next couple of weeks. You got to feel good, though. UCF's getting some of these good big names on campus. Uh, you know, you get to see UCF. For those of you who went there, obviously, you watch us. Uh, you know the campus can sell itself. Uh, and Gus has, has done a hell of a job selling UCF as well, and his staff seems pretty energized. So th- these could be a really seminal 26 days to determine, you know, the, the Gus Malzahn trajectory. We all think the arrow is pointing up. It could take a major uh, leap forward uh, over these next 26 days. Gus's hair is on fire right now, just like he promised. Every coach, when they come into UCF, says, hey, I'm going to recruit the Florida kids, Orlando area first. Gus has said he's doing that. He already started that. The first day, it was a lot of local kids. And then on Bounce House weekend, he's got some of the top recruits in the country coming and paying a visit in person to him and his staff. That's where you want to see him close the deal on a couple of kids. But th- these prospects are going to a lot of big-time schools. So I see kids that are coming into UCF that weekend, but also going to Alabama and Florida and Georgia the following weeks. So if he can close them before he gets to those other schools, that'd be huge. I don't know if we should expect that, but at least they're coming to the campus and seeing what it's like for themselves. Well, that prompted my big question on Twitter at SignPez this week. Does UCF head coach uh, Gus Malzahn reel in a five-star recruit during his first recruiting class? Nearly evenly split. 52% of respondents said yes. At two-letter, two-word says, yeah, but not sure it matters much. We've been as good as anyone with two and three star student athletes. Gus is an old high school coach. Uh, he knows how to prep with what he's got. What do you vote? Yes or no? Does he get a five star in his first recruiting season? I'm going to say no. 
Uh, and, and I have no real reason for that. Just a, just a gut feeling. But I kind of agree with uh, uh, two letters, which is Robert. I kind of agree with Robert a little bit. D- does it really matter? UCF's kind of built itself as a chip on the shoulder program. We've always found those three-star, two-star guys who kind of blossom into great players. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the DNA of UCF. Obviously, Gus is coming from a bit of a different philosophy in the SEC. Um, but we all know, Mike says this every week, stars don't really matter. You know, we've seen five-star guys who couldn't throw a football from here to the my camera. And we've seen one-star guys who can run and, and jump and and flyer on the football so what does it that really matter it ultimately doesn't doesn't necessarily always translate on the field really it's the optics the optics of UCF saying we we're now getting top caliber talent to come to UCF and top caliber as defined by the system that's really what you're asking here does it matter probably not would it be good for the brand sure but ultimately does it doesn't really matter um I, I say no so I'm gonna go no this time around not saying never but this time around I'm gonna say Gus might need a year of of sort of showcasing UCF a little bit more before we we start reeling in the, the quote-unquote five stars I voted yes in the poll just because everything Gus has done so far has impressed me and I wouldn't be shocked if he did it now if he doesn't do it am I gonna say it's a failure no but uh, you know He's done everything right so far, and I don't see why not. I, this thing can snowball, man. He gets one. I'm not saying he's going to get five or six five-stars, but one of them. And by the time we get one five-star, you know the next week that kid's going to be a four-star anyway. So <laughs> that's all relative. So it doesn't really matter whether we do or get one or we don't because in the end, our rating is going to be whatever these sites make up for us. I'd love to see it. I would vote no. Uh, I got I to gotta see him do it before I will believe it. Of course, it's June. I described in my uh, stand-up tease this week that it's the silly season. That means we've got to talk expansion. SportsIllustrated.com columnist uh, Mark Blodchon out with an article suggesting the AAC might expand to 14 with some names we know, Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State. And his configured divisions, Uh, He's got an Eastern division, of course, UCF in that, the Cows, ECU, Cincy, Tulane, Temple, Navy. He moves Navy over from the West to the East. What do you think? Do you think there's some legs to this uh, that uh, certainly with Boise State uh, itching to do better than the Mountain West? This would clearly give the AAC some separation from the rest. Well, from the rest of the quote unquote group of five, I feel like we're already there. They really move very far. Um, a couple of things you asked, do, do I think this one has legs? How many times have we seen this expansion talk? How many times have we seen Boise circle in the AAC wagons? It doesn't seem to have ever come to fruition. Um, what's interesting, Trace, if I have this article right, this article was posted and then taken down very shortly after with some conspiracy theorists saying that this writer in particular is, you know, a confidant, maybe close with Mike Oresco. And all of a sudden it releases and then it gets taken back. So are there some more legs to it? Does that add to the, uh, maybe the validity of it because it got taken down so quickly? I, I don't know. It, to, to me, San Diego State, Colorado State, Boise State, no disrespect to those teams, but does this really get us into that conversation? I think where we all want to be at, I, I'm not so sure it does. Um, I think it's a, a, another that's a strong add to an already strong conference, but I don't know that it gets us over that hump. Yeah. The same writer also called it the ACC like four times (laughs) in the article. So (laughs) how valid it is. I don't know. Obviously it would make us the best of the rest of the conferences, the best of the G five, but is it going to get us a guaranteed spot into the playoff? Not the way it is right now. Maybe that that's his hope when the playoff finally expands to eight teams or 12 teams that we can be guaranteed one spot. Um, I don't know if the rest of the conference are going to go for that, but, uh, I mean, it's worth a shot because right now this, we can't stay at 11. We know that, right? 
I think that's we only had a, a pass for that for the first couple of years when we without a champ to have a championship game with 11 teams. We're gonna have to at least get back to 12. And I think expanding out to the West is good. I wouldn't mind adding five teams, make it a 16-team conference, right? And that's taken into account that maybe teams like UCF and Cincinnati may be leaving. So maybe that's why you add more teams that way, thinking you may lose a couple along the way too. Well, I like what Brian Peterson said that was just up on screen. Does adding these teams increase the revenue? And, uh, you know, that's a question the AAC has to ask. And, Mike, to your point, they can't stay at 11 forever. Adam, back to what you said, does anybody really move the needle? If if not Boise State – then who, then what team would possibly move the needle and make the AAC a more attractive for football? I don't consider any of these possibilities, Boise, Colorado State, San Diego State, in the rest of the sports travel too arduous, but uh, certainly for football, uh, Boise State, who else? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Trace. I don't, I don't know where you go to find other schools that sort of make this more palatable for the quote-unquote Power Five. I, I don't know where those schools are at. I think it offers that separation between you know, the, uh, the AAC and, and some of the other group of five conferences, but is it enough to get us across that finish line? I feel like it's, it's a good, it's a nice pass from the 20, it gets us down to the one, but does it get us into the goal line? I think that's where it's debatable. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think for, for Mike Oresco, he's got to find a way to break through that barrier. I, I just can't see him sitting down in front of commissioners and, and, and the, the quote unquote power five and saying, Hey, great news, everybody, Colorado state, they're coming with us. And people just jumping over the table and saying, all right, come on into our party. I, I just don't know if that moves the needle, but to, to be fair, Trace, I don't know what moves the needle. Maybe BYU, if you can talk them into it, that's a, a nice name. Maybe he had this article leaked out in order to maybe put a little pressure on BYU to make a decision. That, that's the other big name. BYU and Boise would be two names that really would boost the conference. And we're certainly going to see them on UCF's future football schedules beginning in less than 100 days, as we talked about last week, the Boise State game at UCF announced for Thursday, September 2nd. But I think that question of which teams really move the needle, I mean, you, you look at the Appalachian states, and I know there's this talk of maybe Army or the service academies being interesting to add with Navy, but I don't know that it, to Brian's question, does it enhance the revenue, which when we talk about the Big 12, if the Big 12 thought with 10 teams that adding UCF would increase their dollars, wouldn't they do that, right? So they've, they've held to 10 and, and reel in the money that they do and it's just split amongst fewer schools. Yeah, the Big 12 is so hard to sort of pigeonhole here, Trace, because it, it seems like their decisions on surface face value are, are a bit head-scratching. But Mike says this every week on the show, follow the money. And I think that's how you, you figure out the Big 12's conundrum. Um, I would think, logically speaking, that that would add some value to the conference, adding two top teams like a UCF, like a Cincinnati, that allow them you know, more eyeballs, um, you know, get into the Florida market, um, get into the Ohio market, challenging sort of the Ohio State footprint if there is such a thing there. But it just, t- to me... You know, I, I don't know that these teams move the needle. It's kind of like what Mike said. It's, it's basically doing doing something just to do something. But is it the, is it the right something to do? I, I don't I don't know that I'm convinced it is. Big 12. Now, maybe that's a conversation. But, you know, the new a, a, the new AAC not not working for me. The Big 12 seems more reactionary than taking the proactive approach to this. They may wait too long. Teams like Oklahoma and Texas may get out of there and then they're going to be scrambling for teams like us. And at that point. I think I'd much rather just stay in the American, especially if we're guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Maybe pick off a couple of those teams, like a, a Baylor or a Texas Tech, get them to join instead of these teams out from all the way out west. Yeah, it becomes the, the Big East 2.0, right? We saw this. We saw this already play out with the old Big East, right? I mean, it's the Big East 2.0 at that point. 
Well, as Mike, you can attest, when you heard Terry Mahajer on the Charge on Tour stop in real South Florida, he talked about the need for fundraising. There's also been talk about the need for facility upgrades. We're going to talk to a gentleman now new to UCF. He's Carlos McCants. He's the Associate AD for UCF's Championship Resources and Varsity Knights. Carlos, thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Can you guys hear me good? We hear you just fine. You played under Gus Malzahn. You worked for Terry Mahajer. But what do you think of being at UCF these weeks? You've been here. Hey, it's, it's been it's been great. Uh, so welcoming. Uh, you know, when you start a new job and you start, live, move to a new city, there's some nervousness into that, uh, especially with the dynamics of moving and you know, I'm married, so having to try to get my wife here, try to. I had built the house in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I had to sell it right away. So uh, everything's been really good. And I, a quick story: when I first saw Coach Malzahn, um, uh, I, I haven't seen him since 2012, 2013. And the first thing he said is, uh, he remembered that I missed a block against West Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he gave me crap about missing a block. So, but it's, it's been so great to kind of connect with him, and then. Uh, be alongside Terry Mahajer. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about uh, Terry Mahajer. You obviously worked directly for him at Arkansas State. What kind of leader is he, and, and how how fortunate are we at UCF to have him as our new athletic director? So I, I had the luxury of having Terry as a student athlete. So he was my AD when I was a student athlete, and then obviously he hired me. Uh, actually, I mean, I wouldn't be in this position today without him. I started my internship underneath him. Uh, and for a couple of weeks, he had me moving, moving file cabinets and filing papers. So I thought, you know, in my, in my role, I'm thinking like, man, I, you just turn on the lights and play sports. But he showed me a different side of it. It's tough love, uh, but he loved the kids, you know. And I know he's run on record about the job, 100% job placement or graduate school placement. And that's that's real. That's 100%. And so to be a part of that, to, to work under him and follow him, it's been great. You're running the Varsity Knights program. We've already heard from former players how the relationship has gotten a lot better under the new regime. We, we heard about the golf tournament that happened a couple months ago. What else do you guys have planned for all those guys? Well, just, just try to do whatever we can to con like keep them engaged and connect them and welcome them home. At the end of the day, UCF, this is home for them. And so we want to create an environment so whenever they do come back, that they feel special. And so there's a, you know, with COVID, um, you know, a, a lot of things wasn't able to be taking place as far as events. But, you know, the first thing that we got to do is whenever they had the football golf tournament, we took the, we took Gus there and Gus brought his staff and then I took Terry there. And basically that meant the world to the football guys because, you know, for a minute they haven't had that interaction between the coach or the AD uh, due to COVID. So it was kind of one of our first deals. But, not just football, varsity night's going to be open up to all sports. So I'm going to be meeting with uh, each coach uh, basically to try to build a calendar. And so to kind of have receptions and just welcome, you know, all varsity nights back from all the sports. In your bio uh, at the athletics website, it mentions that you helped increase revenue for Arkansas State's Letterman's uh, Club by more than a thousand percent. How were you able to do that? What potential do you see here at UCF in that same area? Really, it was just effort, just consistent effort, reaching out. Uh, you know, at, at my previous school, we really didn't have anyone in position um, that was reaching out constantly. So for, for my role, I just, just showed them that, you know, the, the school is always welcoming. Uh, and here, I think it's, it's so great because there's a lot of momentum here. Uh, this is a great place. And just to be able to build on what was already set, 
like this is going this is my full-time role so i get the, every day i wake up how can i reconnect former varsity nights back to the program and so just by doing that every day i think it's going to be able to uh prove that we got a good program in place yeah so with the varsity nights how do you uh, as sort of the face the voice of that how do you educate yourself on the ucf history right is there a crash course you take if someone sits you down with flashcards <laughs> and and show pictures how do you how do you go about educating yourself on the, on sort of the history of ucf sports Really, it's, it's a combination of both flashcards or you just got to get in front of people and kind of like listen to the stories. And, you know, this is a young program with the first season being, what, 1979. And so, uh, you know, talking to some of the guys, they're like, they're old. But I'm used to, you know, meeting with people that's, you know, 70, 80 years old. And so just kind of get, getting with the guys and like just different sports. Like I had a conversation with uh, a varsity night volleyball uh, letterman. And just kind of she she kind of told me all the history of the, the volleyball program and just basically doing everything I can to meet with the different sports and uh, kind of building it from there. As you're also running the championship resources program, uh, I believe just a short while ago, Terry Mahadri said the goal was to raise a hundred million dollars. And a lot of us kind of raised our eyebrows and said, well, that's what <laughs> seems like a lot of money. You guys have a time frame on that goal? No time frame. Uh, you know, we, we, we've been getting after it. Uh, the Shareholder Society, we've, we've increased our membership uh, for that program, and it's been really great. The thing is, uh, we, you get a, a dynamic coach like Gus Malzahn, and, you know, just all of our sports we've had across the board, everything, everyone has been successful. And so, you know, just getting out in front of people, just sharing our excitement, it's so hard to, to be honest, it's hard to fundraise when you're behind a Zoom, but when you get in front of somebody, they can see your passion for a program, or, or the student athletes, uh, I think that's when you really can make a difference. So, you know, a hundred million dollar campaign, we're not scared of it. You know, we, we gotta set goals, right? And so we gotta set these goals and, uh, and smash them. All those years at Arkansas State, what was your perception of UCF and, and the short time you've been here? How has that changed perhaps? I would say this, this program is big time. I would say it is big time. And, you know, the thing is that you know, there's still a lot of improvement, um, but you the, the massive success that we've had across the board is just so unreal. Uh, you know, and, and whenever we start putting together facility upgrades uh, across the board, you know, we're really going to make it a difference in recruiting. And it start, it's already making a difference. I know you guys probably saw the video uh, came out of the Wayne Dents uh, facelift that we did. And this week starting recruiting, and the first day of recruiting was, uh, I think, the first. And so just you are already starting to see um, how excited the recruits are to start to get on campus and how excited our coaches are to get in front of the student-athletes that, that we're trying to recruit. So uh, it's been really great. Carlos, have you had a chance to ever watch a game in the bounce house? Have you seen a game live throughout your uh, your college football travels? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't seen it live, so I'm super excited. Uh, everybody is telling me about how it actually bounced. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that how it looks. Now, where will you be game day? Are you going to be in the stands? Are you going to be on the field? Where can people find Carl? Are you going to be bouncing and, and zombie nation? Honestly, with my role being a hybrid, deal, you know, dealing with former varsity nights, while but also serving as a major gift officer, I, I think I'd be all over the place. Uh, I, I like to be around people. So, you know, you may see me in the cabana club. You may see me in the suites. You may see me in the stands, on the sideline. Hey, I may be all over the place. Adam and I have had this idea for the last couple of years, and we've spoken to a lot of former players that are in on it. You may be the guy to actually make this happen. <laughs> the um, No pressure. 
<laughs> uh -oh. We had this we idea go. for during the spring game, having maybe a skills contest for some of the former players. So a bunch of for former quarterbacks. Remember how you used to see those old-time quarterback challenge things? Maybe a kicking contest between old kickers. A lot of the guys <laughs> want to do it. Can you get that in motion? Hey, we may have to sign some waivers just in case these guys don't get hurt. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's no running events involved. Maybe some throwing or catching, but, uh, you know, we don't want anyone to pull a hamstring. <laughs> but, hey, we may make some work like that. Maybe a field goal contest or throw the ball through the tire or something. We've heard a great deal lately about talk about improving facilities at UCF. In your experience at Arkansas State, how did you, Terry Mahatra, the rest of the team, improve facilities during your tenures there? We, we really expanded our donor base. Uh, we really, it isn't no knock to the former, the previous AD before Terry, but there was really no plan to kind of expand. Uh, all of our donors was inside the, the city of Jonesboro. Um, and so, but well, we, we put an emphasis on getting out of the, the city. Um, and, you know, one of my roles was to get out in the Texas and, you know, the Floridas and just all like visit the alumni in different areas. And so I kind of think even here, you know, just expanding, getting out is, you know, not just focusing on the Orlando area, but like just branching out to different cities and different states. Uh, that's going to be really helpful. And that, and that, that's where we were able to be successful at. But a lot of the exciting too, winning. Um, you know, I was part of a, a class that won three conference championships in uh, three years. And we went on to, I think at one point, we was five out of six years. Uh, and so winning helps everything. A lot of people are excited. A lot of people like to open up their checkbooks when you're winning. So uh, we just got to keep, keep winning. One of the things I've loved the most, Carlos, is seeing uh, pictures on social media of some of the former Knights back at practices, back at the spring game, things like that. As you've had a chance to interact with some of these guys, what have their reactions been to sort of the, the new UCF and Coach Malzahn and some of the new things you guys want to do? How excited are you Are you hearing from some of those guys when they're back on campus? The the guys are shocked. Uh, it's like they, for some reason, they never ex uh, experienced that before. Uh, and it's, you know, it's something that you know, from my my point of view, uh, it's, you know, you got to keep these guys engaged uh, and keep them keeping excited. You know, they gonna once they leave and they they're gonna be the ambassadors of our program. So whenever they go to the NFL or go become a, a successful business person, they're gonna represent UCF uh, through and through. So uh, whenever they do come back, make them feel like at home. I know Coach has done a great job as far as making credentials. Uh, so when guys come back, they have a language. So when fans, you know, see them, they they can recognize, and obviously they know who these players are, but they can they can feel special with potential pass, and also they get T-shirts, and so just doing a special test like that will go a long way to kind of keep our guys involved. You've obviously worked with Terry Mahajer for a long time, going back to Arkansas State. We've gotten familiar with him a little bit. We've seen the TikTok videos. We've had now <laughs> some meet and greets with him. Give us something that we don't know about Terry Mahajer that maybe uh, you know about him. Well, if you guys want to join us for uh, a workout session, we work out every day uh, in the in the, the Roth Tower. So uh, we we get we get after it. We always we we pride ourselves on being the, the most athletic um, team in the nation. And so I, I put him up against any AD when it comes to fitness. <laughs> yeah, I asked him if he could beat all the other ADs in an arm wrestling contest. He didn't say yes. But he said he could take Danny White, our old AD. Oh, my God. Nah, look, I, I put Terry up against anyone. You know, you, you got to think he played he played defensive back, so he liked to hit people. So uh, I, I put him up against anyone. 
we're obviously still getting to know him. What has made him successful? Uh, being intentional. Uh, he's not. He's, he's straightforward. He'll tell you how it is, and you know I think a lot of people respect that. Um, he's a great leader, and you know at the end of the day, the main thing is the main thing, as he always say. And every day we get wake up and for one purpose on, and that's to serve our student athletes. Again, I always I always look at Terry as a student athlete AD. Um, he really cares about those kids, and he's made a lot of uh, a lot of impact on a lot of people's lives. And you know, he talks about when he graduated from you know college. Uh, his his coach basically pat him on the back, said, "Good like good looking life, kid." And so he said that whenever he became an AD or a person in a leadership role, he never wanted to to have you know young people go through that. Uh, so that's when the jobs program was cre- created uh, to basically guarantee one hundred percent job placement or graduate school placement for our student athletes and, and our young people. Carl, I'm not sure if this one's up your alley or not, but do, do you know if there's any plans to continue the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame? It's been a couple of years since we had classes inducted. Uh, I know we've had a lot of great nights that are inducted. Do you know if there's any plans to sort of induct a class in, in the near future? Yeah, I actually uh, I've met with a, a couple of staff here uh, to try to kind of get the background on that, the com- like you know the voting structure, the committee. Uh, actually, I had a meeting about it last week, so I think um, we want to look at trying to bring that back, uh, put together some committee to kind of vote. Um, and then I'd be heavily involved in it. I actually ran the, the Hall of Fame uh, at my previous school. I coordinated the whole thing. So I would definitely be involved in it. Now, I think they have, in re- recent past, they've had it uh, run a spring game. Uh, but I have to kind of dig deep on seeing exactly when the best time to have it. Uh, I know spring game is a big deal around here. And so having it that Friday before, uh, I think that would be a great, a great opportunity to kind of get people back on campus. You said you're having a committee. Do you, do you need me, Mike, and Trace? I mean, I think we're available if you need, need, some, need some committee <laughs> hey, members. Hey, I may get some feedback from you guys. <laughs> All right, we're in. How are you enjoying Orlando so far? Have you settled in? Have you found a favorite restaurant and everything else? Uh, it's been great. My, my wife here loves it. Uh, <laughs> she loves to be able to go to right down the street and get a bottle of wine. Uh, we was in a dry county uh, in Jonesboro, so... Uh, the restaurant's been great. We've I'm a big seafood guy. I've been from Mobile, Alabama, so I've tr- I've tried to eat at a, a couple of different seafood spots uh, here. But we've been to a place uh, I think it's called Bosphorus, is in Lake Nona. That's pretty good. It's like a Turkish cuisine restaurant. It's really good, really good. Earlier, you were talking about expanding the radius, getting to meet people. As you're learning, UCF's alumni base is young, mid-30s. Maybe Very. you don't have deep pockets. What's the challenge in that for you when you don't have that older, wealthier uh, alum? Well, actually, I mean, I feel like we have a bunch of numbers. Sometimes you, you know, I know schools, they get focused on one big donor, but they don't have the uh, a collective group of donors. Uh, so the number, strength in numbers is very important uh, rather than trying to focus on one wealthy donor. And so I think that's the, the leg that we have on a lot of schools. We have so many young alumni who still connected to the program and they're still excited. And, and we have successful alumni uh, that are young. And so, you know, you're going to hit, you're going to hit those home runs where you get these million dollar donors and these, you know, these seven figure donors, but if we can get, you know the twenty-five thousands, the 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 fifty thousands, the hundred thousands. You know, in a, a large group of those, you know, we'll be just fine. We'll 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 the hundred million dollar campaign won't be that bad. I'm, I'm excited about it. 
Carlos, we're an interactive show. We'd like to take questions from our audience. Brian Peterson is asking, is there any update on the Lazy River? I don't know if you're authorized to speak on that, but the Lazy River, any update you can give us? There, there's no update I can give you on, on those guys. I know there's some, uh, the guys are working behind the scenes to kind of uh, formulate a plan to, to execute that, that deal. So I, I really can't speak on that. How far back did the COVID set our budget? I mean, I know you weren't there last year, but coming off a year with no fans in a lot of these stadiums, uh, are, are we far behind? Or we got a lot of ground to make up coming up this year? Uh, no, I think we're in really good shape. Uh, the keep charging off on has really helped. Uh, you see, you, you've seen a lot of engagement with that. And then also we've had some, like, again, we've had some shareholder uh, members commit and uh, and be involved with that. So that's, that's helped with our operating budget. And so, to be honest, we we're in great shape uh, going into this new year, this non-COVID year. And I think I'm t we we have a team in place that are really really great. Uh, it's been great to kind of learn about uh, being on a team with the championship resource guys, and they're really good. Um, it's it's so exciting to learn and kind of experience and go through new things, uh, new challenges. But I think we're we're going to be great. UCF just announced the home and home with FAU. What has been the challenge of scheduling? When you're in these meetings, you hear Terry and others talking about it. What's the challenge out in that marketplace for scheduling UCF out in the rest of the 20s? To be honest, it's a, a, a lot of schools don't really want to play UCF, to be honest. I, you know, and I think Terry's philosophy, uh, I can't speak on previous, you know, administration, but I know Terry's philosophy is that no, we'll play anyone, uh, anywhere, anytime. We'll play them on concrete, we'll play them on grass, whatever. So right now, I think the challenge is, man, is trying to get people to play us. And I think that's what we're scrambling. Uh, Terry and uh, the executive team is scrambling to do. Carlos, for any of the, the former Knights players who are maybe watching or listening, how, how can they learn more about what you guys are doing with the Varsity Knights? How can they follow you? How can, how can they get in touch if uh, they want to learn more? So we, we, we act on social media. Uh, our social media presence is really good. Varsity Nights uh, social, on Twitter and then Varsity Nights on uh, Instagram. But my personal, I'm, I'm, I tweet a lot, too. I'm very active in Twitter world. Uh, so, you know, my 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 uh, Twitter game is Carlos McCants one. And so uh, you can follow me, you can add me, but we put out information and I, I've, we've done uh, email blasts uh, to all the Varsity Nights kind of updating information and kind of laying out the new Varsity Nights membership program. Uh, we actually hired a former Varsity Knight, Allie Durkson. She was a former Roar. Uh, she's very excited to be, we, I'm excited to keep her around. Uh, she's the go-getter. Uh, so and she, she knows the lay of the land. She's been around for a while. And so I'm excited excited to keep her around and uh, go forward with that. But she's been uh, very engaged with the, the alumni. Uh, she's already hit the ground running. To this week, we've been working on um, just trying to clean up the, the system where we can keep everybody organized as far as the data. Uh, that's the hardest thing. You get all these young alumni, they move around so much. So the email addresses may still be UCF uh, addresses. So just trying to stay up to date on that and just trying to keep it uh, in good standing. What happens when there's about a hundred different guys that want to come back for a football game? They all want sideline passes. How do you determine <laughs> who gets to be on the field? How you get to say no to some people? What do you What do you do? Hey, we're gonna have to be unequally fair. But I don't. You know, we we talked about this. Um, uh, there's some some logistics that we got to work through in regards to. You know, we got to make sure we do it right. We don't want it to be 
Um, a, a safety hazard down there where, you know, a guy run off the field and run into one of these guys. So we got to make sure that it's ran correctly. Uh, there may be some, you know, R, RSVP uh, deal in place or, you know, we just got to work through that. Uh, I, I don't know how it, how it was in the past. You know, me, with me being new here, I, I also want to make sure we follow the protocols on sideline access. And so I'm, I'm still working through that only being two months in. But, I, you know, I, I know Terry, he, he loves when the, the alumni come back, especially former football guys, being a football game. He likes to kind of give those guys some access uh, down on the sideline. Let us wrap up with this. It didn't turn out so well for UCF the last time they played Arkansas State. But should that game come to be, uh, what, do you, what do you do? That's, that's a, you know, a win-win or what for you? What I do? Uh, I, I'm UCF right now, so I'm, I'm all the way. Go nice charge on. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. You're going to have a busy stretch until September 2nd, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, I'm trying to put my, put together a calendar. Uh, I know with, with the, the Boise game being announced, uh, we're trying to plan some things around that. Uh, homecoming, we're trying to put together, uh, a, you know, uh, events or a big tailgate for that. And then I think this year, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think the Navy game is the 500 football game uh, in school history. So, you know, we try to get all the football guys back for that and, uh, make, you know, recognize the, the history of that. So it's a lot of things that got to think through and, and try to put together kind of all the other sports where we can kind of engage and reconnect the other varsity nights as well. Carlos McCants, Associate AD for UCF's Championship Resources and Varsity Nights. We appreciate you stopping by the Sons of UCF Live, and we wish you all of the best in your new role at UCF. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right, go Knights. Chardo. Thanks, Carlos. All right, he is hitting the ground running. Good to hear what he's saying about the Varsity Nights. Uh, we heard a little bit. You've had some interviews with some former players that said maybe they felt a little neglected. Of course, there's more than just football. There's a whole host of sports that have had success at UCF. It seems like there's a real growth opportunity to re-engage with former student-athletes. Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of things. Obviously, you know, you can think about it from a financial standpoint, but just flatly, it's the right thing to do. A lot of these players, a lot of these athletes gave their all for UCF back when the program was still building itself. You know, they sacrificed a ton and, and they should feel welcome back to to be around the, the you know, the, the sports or the athletics that they helped to build and they helped to sort of make what they are today. So it's good to see that. I, I, I said it in the interview. I, I love seeing those pictures on Twitter or, or in Instagram of guys coming back and shaking hands with guys and being on the sideline and, you know, some of the players that are together and they're you know they're watching the spring game you know I, I love seeing that kind of stuff i know when the fans see them walking around uh, it's always a cool experience so I, I think it's a really well uh well worth um sort of idea and I'm, I'm glad um and i don't know how unique it is so maybe someone can educate me on that i don't know how unique it is for a school to have a specific role a specific individual designed to to bring those folks back in i'm not sure how uh, how how much that's done across the nation but i'm glad that mohaja brought that here to ucf it's always going to be nice to see them give back to the guys that gave so much to us. But also, some of those guys have the most money. I mean, look at guys like Brandon Marshall and, and other football players that have signed millions and millions of dollar contracts. We need those guys to come back in and help out the program too, right? Uh, it'd be great yeah. if I could see Dante back on the sidelines. We haven't seen Dante in ages, so maybe he's the guy that can bring him back. Well, that is, that is fair. You see a lot of schools, they have, you know, the Miami has the Jonathan Vilma weight room, right? You see a lot of schools that have, you know, buildings and, and different, um, uh, you know, facilities named after athletes. So maybe, maybe it'd be cool to, to see the first, you know, Blake Bortles dining hall or the Brandon Marshall receivers room or whatever that might look like. That, that certainly is a, is a pretty cool, unique idea.
Men's soccer had that a couple of years ago when Winston DuBose made a donation uh, with regards to the locker room, but certainly not enough of that across the campus. So opportunity there. Carlos seems like a good fit for UCF. Now, a couple of ladies that are a few years away from being varsity Knights, a couple of freshmen, one that we just recently had as a guest on Sons of UCF Live, going on to the NCAA championships in track and field, talking about freshman Ashira Collins in the triple jump and our previous guest, Renaya Jones, in the 100-meter hurdles. These events begin a week from today in a absolutely beautiful facility in Eugene, Oregon, on the campus of the University of Oregon. So we wish these ladies Good luck, even though, as we have established now for two consecutive shows, Mike could beat uh, Renaya in uh, in a 5K. Trace, I've always been amazed by the triple jump. Who thought of that as an event? You know, I, I, you know why, why has it got to go three? Like, who was like, hey, no, one more. Make it one more. I don't understand the triple jump. So whoever lost the double jump and they say, oh, yeah, we need one more jump. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy that made it up. That's they what won I said, that one and he stopped. Uh, and I don't think you're quite ready with your foot, uh, your toe, to um, be doing single, double, or triple jumps. Is that a challenge? <laughs> no. I, I no, saw I the guess. picture, and he's back. He's back in the weight room. He's I was back in the weight Yeah, I, I, the same machine he that crushed my toe. took a picture of the weights. We didn't see any video. <laughs> I mean, I can't do both. He, clearly, my, my, my coordination is lacking if I don't have a toe right now, so I don't want to do both you know, and have a repeat occurrence. It was like Trace uh, filming himself with doing four steps on the walk and talk that one. Oh, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, were you okay in this week's walk and talk, Trace? Did your car break down? You were seeing to be over a bit of an overpass. Everything okay? I just go where I can find a spot and have time. So, H have you ever I do been... have AAA, Mike? I'm okay. good in case there's a car problem. Have you ever been stopped by law enforcement wondering if you escaped from any sort of uh, facility nearby? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. No, I'm known by local law enforcement. They just let me wander around <laughs> aimlessly. No question. Uh, some uh, basketball news this Thursday. Our friend Jason Beatty at The Real Beatty reporting that UCF men's basketball players Darius Perry and CJ Walker on the list of early entrants for the 2021 NBA draft. Isaiah Adams, who had previously declared not on that list. And uh, NCAA rules say that they have until Wednesday, July 7th to decide whether they're going to enter the NBA draft. So doesn't mean anything yet. Excited about Isaiah Adams. Uh, obviously, we, you know, we saw a ton of uh, promise out of him. Um, I don't know if he got the information he was seeking and decided it was time to come back. I don't know the logistics of how that works, but excited to have him back. I think he's going to be a cornerstone if Johnny is going to have a great year in the upcoming 21-22 season. Isaiah Adams will be a big piece of that. Excited to see him back. CJ Walker's still interesting, a bit of a head scratcher. Obviously, his offensive game, you know, probably isn't where it needs to be at the NBA level, but he rebounds, he's athletic, you know, he can play some defense. You would think he'd be a guy who would potentially benefit from coming back another season. Uh, but again, these guys are going to make decisions best for them. Um, Darius Perry, you know, I could go either way on that. I, I think I joke every time he never met a he never met a shot he didn't like. Uh, so we'll, he'll, maybe he'll shoot his shot and go to the NBA. Uh, but I'm glad to see Isaiah Adams is is coming back. He's going to be a big piece for the 2021 season. The whole last season, I thought we only rented Perry for a year. I didn't even expect him to come back. I know everybody has the free COVID year. If he comes back, it's a bonus, a little more experience that we've had on the team last year. But if he goes, and I mean, that's part of the deal too. 
Some news about Mike's new best friend, Johnny Dawkins, uh, with Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski retiring in 2022 at Goodman Hoops, reporting that some names considered include Tommy Amaker and our own Johnny Dawkins, but it looks like uh, Duke is going to go with John Shire. Interesting to see, obviously, Johnny on that list, uh, but I think uh, good to see him back with the Knights. Yeah, you would think that would be a, a really easy name to put on the list for uh, replacements for uh, for Coach K. Uh, obviously, he's got success at the coaching ranks. Not sure how serious it got, but you know, one of the things that I think these guys, you saw Roy Williams do this, essentially, you saw Krzyzewski do this, they want to pick their successor. Uh, John Shire, if you're a college basketball fan, that's a bit of a head-scratcher. He's never coached uh, a head coach a job at, at that level, at any level, I don't think. Uh, he, he went right off of uh, the Duke floor onto some European uh, league stuff and then right on to the, uh, to the bench as an assistant. So no experience. So you, you wonder how much of this was Johnny wanted uh, to you know stay where he was and how much of this was was Coach K kind of handpicking his successor. But uh, I'm not surprised to see him on the list. Uh, I think it makes only makes sense that he's on that list. But uh, to your point, Trace, you know, we'll see. But everyone beware, right? Mike says this all the time. You don't want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the next guy. So if John Shire stays there a couple of years and things don't turn around, you know, and, and Johnny's still there having success, you know, that, that train could, uh, could come calling again. So uh, I don't know that we're out of the woods just yet. Tough shoes to fill, right? No, exactly. Wants I, was to replace him. <laughs> I was just gonna say the guy after the guy line, and you stole it from me. But you know, if that tip goes in and we beat Duke head to head, how high up on the list is Johnny then? Or maybe he's already gone from UCF if that had happened. Mm. Interesting. It's interesting. The, you you got to wonder from a, uh, an ego standpoint, does Coach K really want somebody better than him sort of taking over, right? I don't know Coach K at all. Spoiler alert. But you wonder, does, does he want kind of a younger guy versus an established coach? Because in theory, that still keeps the Coach K thumbprint on the program. Johnny's been out, outside the, the walls for a while at Stanford and UCF now. He's going to bring his own culture. I imagine Shire's going to continue forward with a lot of the things Krzyzewski built. So maybe he was more, Krzyzewski that is, more comfortable um, with that uh, with that side of it who knows but um but i don't think we're out of the woods just yet friends yeah uh one note that uh, next time have opportunity to speak with coach Dawkins or mike if you know your buddies with him now uh you might you might text him about this john rothstein reporting or saying that sources tell him that multiple mid-major programs are opting not to play guaranteed games against high major programs because it gives power conference teams a free live evaluation of future players that they could pick up in the transfer portal. I don't know what they couldn't see on film, uh, why they need to be there necessarily in person, but I'd like to get Coach Dawkins' assessment of that. Uh, It's going to be very interesting. Transfer portal, especially with the COVID year, across all sports. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting note. Of course, UCF, as announced, uh, has several high-profile games uh, coming up on the schedule. So UCF doesn't seem to be shying away from the Michigans and the Oklahomas and, and the like. So FSU in the, in the coming schedule. One sport that is also going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to roster manage, as we've been talking about for football, is baseball. Baseball closes out its season over in Clearwater. Losing to that team over in Tampa, you, God, you hate to lose to your rival in the championship game. Uh, UCF fights back, loses 8-7, to 31-30 on the year. Uh, already a player, left-hand pitcher Nick uh, Gatilla, entering the transfer portal. Might see more names enter that transfer portal. Head coach Greg Lovelady basically talks about what's next in his offseason. 
Uh, we just need to develop the guys that are going to be here, and, and we need to recruit guys that can come in and help us. I mean, we, we got to get better on the mound. Um, and, uh, you know, but I got to sit down and, and evaluate just our roster and obviously with the draft and uh, who's coming back and, and all that kind of stuff and, um, and try to figure all that, all that out. Um, and then we just got to get to work. Uh, one in the transfer portal. Uh, we got some, some young guys, freshmen coming in that I'm really, really excited about that I think can make some more immediate impacts. And then we gotta we gotta keep developing, you know, the young guys that we have, um, just to have more depth. And um, you know, we gotta try to stay healthy. Obviously, losing losing Colton was huge. Obviously, losing Kenny early in the year was huge. Well, we uh, punted the question that we got in the mailbag last week from Eric at UCF One Big Ohana to grade the sports. Your homework was grade male sports. Let's start with baseball. Adam, what's your final grade for? baseball 31 and 30 on the year 18 and 14 in the American during the regular season. Yeah, I think obviously getting to the conference tournament final uh, swayed the grade for me a little bit. Let me, let me preface this by saying a quick little backstory about, about, about your guy here uh, for a couple of years, I actually taught, at the University of Phoenix, I was an online instructor. And one of the things that my family makes fun of me for is I never gave a 100%. Never, ever, ever. The highest paper grade I'd ever give was a 99. There was no 100s in my class. You can book it. So I'm a bit of a tough grader here. So that's the backdrop for this. But 31 and 30, 18 informed conference. They got to the AAC final. Uh, kind of unprecedented. I don't think anyone expected that. We all hoped and thought and wished and prayed. I'm not sure anyone anyone thought that. But But obviously a team that... You know, again, we had such high hopes off of last year. Didn't really perform the way that I think we we thought they were. Yeah, injuries obviously play a role in it. So I'm going to give them a C, and that's really a, a C because they got to the conference final. I think if they don't get to the conference final, that's a that's a that's a worse grade for me. But I'm going to go with a C for baseball. It's like you have my notes sitting right in front of your face. It's exactly what I was saying. It's a 500 ball club. We came into this season with high expectations off that shortened COVID year where they looked so good and coming in this year and kind of disappointing from the very start. I mean, I know we had that win against Mississippi and, you know, we beat East Carolina. We split with them early in the year, but right off the bat, getting beat up by FAU a couple times and never really seemed to get on that roll. We got hot here in the conference tournament and the loss, not only losing in the championship game, but to the cows. That, that's what brings it down to a C, maybe even a C minus just because of the the whole way it ended. I'm going to borrow from Mike's tactic last week on the show. Can you see that? That's no, you can't really see it. C, C. That was my grade. I give them a C we, as well. Are we doing props now? No one told me. <laughs> Men's basketball, Adam. 11 and 12 overall, 8 and 10 in the AAC. Uh, young team, a lot of talent kind of molding together. Uh, again, uh, they looked so good early on in that, that win against Florida State. Wheels uh, fell off in a hurry. Uh, obviously, his injuries played a role. We saw some interesting rotations. You know, obviously, not a ton of depth. Uh, so, if I'm just judging on last season alone, I'm going to judge on the curve here a little bit because it was COVID because there were a couple of stoppages in the program throughout that season. I think, you know, from all the, all the teams, they, they may have been impacted the most. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I feel like they had a several pauses for COVID. I'm going to go C minus. I'm going to go C minus. It was on the line for a D. I went C minus because wow. I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they, they did have a bunch of stoppages molding some players together. But again, we've seen Johnny Dawkins bring talent in. We were all excited about CJ Walker, former five-star Isaiah Adams, Mr. Basketball, Darius Perry, Louisville pedigree. We had Mayan coming back. Jamil Reynolds seemed promising and we're 11 and 12 and eight and 10. 
um, and how we got there. Johnny talked about it with Mike, you know, just didn't develop a lot of turnovers, a lot of continuity issues. Uh, so that's why I'll give him a pass as he didn't control all that, but I'm going to go C minus. Yeah. I also go on to see myself. I mean, so much had to do with how high they started and kind of got me excited with that win at Florida state. I did not see coming, especially getting beat up by Michigan a little earlier, but then, so just throw that in the toilet when we get into conference play. We lost some very close games. The two Wichita games, and Wichita won in the regular season. We, we should have won both those games. It was a game against the Cows early in the year that we blew a second-half lead. I think there was a Houston the, – the first Houston game, we played well with them. And by the time we played them the second time, we didn't look like we didn't belong on the court with those guys. So we kind of went backwards as the season went along. Didn't make any noise in the tournament. I gave it a C also. I gave basketball a C. Football. All right, football. James uh, Costeg also a C for basketball. Uh, six and four overall, a, uh, a humiliating loss in the Boca Bowl. Um, uh, we know the story of the season. Uh, we lost a, a heartbreaker at Memphis on a last-second field goal. Tulsa, again, just you know, de-pantsed us like they always do. Cincinnati just controlled the field up and down. Uh, we didn't belong anywhere in, in the Boca vicinity. Uh, so it's not so much the six and four because you go, hey, we were 500. That was COVID year, although they did not have any impacts as a team, which is a testament to the players and the coaching staff last year. Uh, but the games we lost, it just seemed like we took a step backwards in the season last year. Obviously, a lot of that's changed now. So it's probably easy to, to bag on where we are. But I'm going to go football with a D. Uh, and it's more so just because of the way we looked. When we lost, we lost bad. Uh, and when we lost, we didn't make any adjustments. We had Otis Anderson on the show, and I asked him a question about, you know, wh why didn't we do anything to adjust to Tulsa? And he basically said, I don't want to answer that. Uh, so you can you can interpret what you want out of that. Uh, I think we, we while the record is 6-4, and four, we took a step back last year. I think there's no denying that. Uh, so I'm going to go with a D and uh, uh, football, unfortunately. Not a failing grade, I guess, but uh, definitely gets a D. Also, I went with a D. We were out of this uh, conference race before November. And this is a sport where we expect to compete for the conference every year. Um, the loss to Tulsa at home, again, that, that just can't happen. The Memphis loss. I mean, Memphis was not a good team this year. right? And we let them put 50 on us. We have a chance to win it, and we blow it with the last second kick. Boca was a disaster, as you said. And having the guys kicked off the team, just an embarrassment to the program overall. They're lucky it's not an F. The only reason it's not an F is because we've had winless seasons here before. So this is slightly better than that. But basically a 500 football season, that, that can't happen. 600, but uh, I give them a C. Give them a C. Wow. Men's golf. I'd no better place to come for golf analysis than the Sons of UCF Live. <laughs> here, here's what I – I'm not going to lie. I didn't follow them closely. Here's what break. I did uh, – when I researched, uh, we had four top five finishes, uh, but no uh, no finish higher than four. Johnny Travail seemed to be kind of our, our lead guy. Uh, I'm going to go B, just because I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't even find the guy's names on our golf team, so uh, whatever. B plus. <laughs> I went with a C. I've got four straight Cs. Uh, men's soccer. All right, men's soccer, 9-4-1, AAC champs. Uh, won the first round in the tournament, lost in the second round 4-0 to, uh, to Pitt. Uh, but overall, great season, in my opinion. I'm going to go, wait for it, A-minus. 
I think uh, I think Coach Calabrese definitely has the had the guys playing uh, playing well down the stretch, and this is a team that started off kind of slow, and we were all like, "Hey, what's happening here?" They they really rebounded towards the end of the season, you know, made a run to the tourney. Obviously, we got outplayed and and uh, uh, on the pitch. And uh, uh, round two of the tournament, but I, I think overall strong season. Watching people hoist a championship trophy on our home turf, no greater feeling than that. If that team can do that, they get an A minus from me. Yeah, I gave them an A. You win a conference, you go to the tournament, you win a game there. I, I know we got our doors blown off against Pitt, but overall a pretty good year. A, A plus. Giving them an A plus for getting to the Sweet Sixteen in the NCAA tournament and men's tennis that just recently concluded. 22 and four trace. I think they've peaked at number nine overall in the tennis rankings. Also a second round exit from the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, overall great season. I, I think there were probably higher expectations though, that they could have done a little bit more trace. I'm not sure if anyone would agree with that. So because of that, I'm also going to give them an a minus. I think they had the opportunity to, to maybe uh, make some, uh, make some, some moves there. I know, uh, uh, was that a, Back in, uh, Dave uh, gave the camps had, had a really good year, good season. Uh, I, he didn't quite make it, I think, as far as he wanted. Some injuries plagued him at the end there. Uh, but I think uh, I think John Roddick has the tennis program as a whole in the right direction. I'm going to go A minus because I think there were higher expectations there. I think we left a little bit of uh, of the match on the on the court, as it were. I gave both tennis programs an A. They both won the conference. That, you win the conference, you get an A automatically. I'm going A plus. A plus for men's tennis. So we've got the women's sports next week. Let's break up the list since there's a lot more women's sports than men's. I'll give you half of them uh, to, to study up. And uh, Mike, uh, golf, women's golf may be on that list for next week. So you have. <laughs> I actually have women's golf here. I didn't have any. I have all the women's sports. I was ready, except for men's golf. Right, so right. just, just do the men's sports this week. <laughs> just do the well, men's so sports this week. Trace, if I have your scoring correctly, then you think that the most successful men's men's athletic program in 2021 was the tennis team? Uh, I had men's soccer at an A-plus and tennis at an A-plus. Okay, so those two teams are tied for – and you had essentially football as the least successful. Four Cs. I had four Cs on the rest. Baseball, basketball. You got to pick one. You can't sit on the fence. You got to pick one. Which was the worst? Um, probably football just based on expectations and how important it is to the overall athletics program. Fair enough. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, we had some mailbag questions that'll take some time to answer, but I want to get to one from at Grahalis Debbie. That's G-R-A-J-A-L-E-S. She said, any inside info on how the cool new murals in the football building came to be? So I reached out to Eric DeSalvo, uh, who is with Content, uh, and all the branding at UCF. And he said uh, that with June 1st being the uh, the start uh, of, the, of the recruiting season in person, he said in his response to me, Gus knew that the facilities needed to shine more on the visits and that he and staff worked with facilities and the branding team, which consisted of Eric, Jimmy Skiles, and Emma Schneider. They changed 11 walls on the east hallway. You've seen the video. Uh, they talked through what they thought were the most important themes for recruiting, which included the stadium, the bounce house. So you see that as part of the experience. Orlando in general, you know, UCF's always selling that everybody else vacations here and this is where you could live. Uh, New York, New Year's Six wins uh, is a feature in that. NFL guys, all the guys drafted in the last five years, he says, are on one side. 
And every single player who has been invited to a rookie camp, undrafted free agent, or drafted uh, in any other league is featured on another plank in there. College game day, we know that experience against Cincinnati a couple of seasons back. They focused on the space uniforms and also on Spirit Splash. Uh, they said that they've also updated uh, the team room that has a new theater seating and new wall graphics, including highest draft pick and pro bowlers, conference championships, and the, uh, the New Year's Six games. A uh, hallway's got new LED lights in white paint. Uh, Loppy still a work in progress, uh, but the video board there, he says, uh, now draws in visitors and features the, the trophies. And he ended with, Gus and Terry know the importance of facilities, plenty more in store for the future. So anticipating more changes to come in the future, but uh, a nice fresh look to welcome in the recruits. Yeah, it's a good look. Obviously, it's good to see that UCF continued to upgrade. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much this, you know, things like this really uh, impress recruits. I'm sure it probably does or else schools wouldn't do it. Um, I think, you know, us crusty old men look at that and go, it's a picture on the wall. You know, do I want to go to school here? Do I like the program? But I, I can see how this is something that's exciting for for kids and players. You know, we're not quite at the Clemson level where we have a slide that takes us from the first floor to the second floor. Sorry, second floor to the first floor. But, uh, you know, still, still close enough. So it's good to see us keeping up with the Joneses. Gus has to walk by that mural of us beating him in the Peach Bowl every day. <laughs> the one thing that they didn't put any recognition on is right here, national champion, national champions. I don't even see that signage anywhere. And it's a question. Is that going to still be on the stadium when we play Boise on the September 2nd? If it's not, I say we burn the place down. We riot, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> you're, you're rioting now. Yeah, it is. Uh, they, they may try to de-emphasize that, right? But I don't think they take it off the, uh, off the stadium. I'd be surprised if it's there, maybe not after this year, but after this year, if they keep it up, I'll be, uh, I think I'll be surprised with it. Hmm. My, I, I, my predict, they move it. I think they maybe make it a little smaller, maybe hang it someplace else. Maybe it doesn't go all the way, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see it prominently uh, displaced to someplace else under the guise of an upgrade or a, a paint job or something. Um, and maybe it ends up getting stuck in an end zone someplace. Interesting. Possible riot, less than 100 days away from UCF. Mike, uh, you guys debuted a new feature this week, uh, Sunny Delight. What was it? Uh, sunny Side Up? Uh, yeah, no, I see what you did there. Uh, sun Day uh, Night Conversations. Uh, a lot of a lot of words there. <laughs> sun <laughs> Day Night. Night. Yep. You got it. There you go. Yeah, here's the thing. Obviously, you know, uh, Mike and I did a, a whole host of shows and we've had a chance to have a bunch of different former nights on. Uh, those shows are not available to many of the uh, listening public. So we want to bring some of those interviews back. I know some folks maybe found us just recently, haven't heard some of these conversations. You know, there's literally archived on my computer and and I, I feel selfish not sharing those with the UCF world. So this week we decided to, to put out one of those features. It's the summer months, as Trace mentioned. Not a lot going on every now and again. So, you know, we'll try to add these in to our, our arsenal of, of uh, content this week was Sean Jefferson and Taj McGowan, both of whom were selected by Mike and I in our last show of, of our big three segment. Two really good interviews, in my opinion. Uh, Sean Jefferson, a UCF legend, and Taj McGowan had one of the more iconic plays in UCF history. So if you have not heard those, make sure you subscribe to the Suns UCF podcast and you will you'll find it all. Even if you had heard them, I mean, I was in on the interview. I obviously heard them before. I had forgotten about a lot. <laughs> it was of all new to you. 
<laughs> <laughs> Two years ago was a long time when we spoke to McGowan. And even the Sean Jefferson, I can't get enough of listening to his recruiting story. So uh, we, we've got a bunch of those, and there's still a lot of them that we still haven't played back yet. I mean, we got the Maury's. We got the first O'Leary one. We got a whole bunch of them. So, again, that is Sun Day Night Conversation featuring Sean Jefferson and Taj McGowan. Uh, like it on your uh, pod feed. Give a nice review. Do all of that. Do you also – can you also find these on twonightsmedia.com? Or well, they are you most certainly – you know what? You're you're a legend in your own time, Trace. You certainly can find those two nightsmedia.com. That's where you'll find all new content from the Sons of UCF, uh, including uh, the live shows, including audio stuff. And maybe, maybe just one day we'll write something too. But uh, that hasn't happened yet. But everything else? I refresh it every day for the fresh mic column and every morning. I'm disappointed. Yeah. The editing process is pretty rigorous for UCF, Mike. By the way, Mike, it's AAC, not ACC. If, in fact, you write an article uh, about the <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You don't have to work at Sports Illustrated to get those two right. You know. Well, what's going to be great is Mike's going to write it, and I'll take it down right away. So it'll seem like something nefarious happened. So oh, maybe we'll, we'll get some clicks that way. Yeah, we'll get some clicks. Post it back uh, up with the same mistakes. I want to thank uh, all of you for watching. I want to thank Carlos McCants for joining us and wish him all of the best in his new role. I want to thank Adam for being here for the full 60 minutes this week, not 50 minutes. I want to thank Anytime. Mike for getting here at, nine, uh, at uh, 7.58, full two minutes before the start. Uh, We're going to do uh, take a look at half of the women's sports next week. Who knows what else? Start cooking up on this show just as soon as we sign off the air. I want to thank you guys, as always, for cracking me up and uh, keeping things fun. Uh, for Adam and Mike, I am Trace Trolko. Go Knights! Charge on! Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.